Welcome to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. A lot going on, as there always is this time of year, Thanksgiving week. Another win for the Browns. Buckeyes, Wolverines coming up on Saturday. Huge game, obviously. It always is, but my gosh, a lot more emphasis. What's going on this year? Um, Ryan Day, it's everything. We'll talk about that. The Cavs have suddenly won three in a row, but... Outside the Denver win, which was great, they're still playing kind of clunky at times. It's weird. They swept the Warriors, look good in those games. I thought played their best game of the year against Nuggets. And then they have games where they look clunky in a win against Portland. They got blown out by the Kings. Um, still not playing to their height of the basketball. Injuries being a big part. We'll talk about them. Guards made some changes. No more Quantrill. Ramon Lariano coming back. No more De Los Santos, Scott Barlow, hello. We'll talk about all that. But it all begins and ends with the Browns. Uh, the Browns have won some big games here in the last two weeks. To beat the Ravens, to beat the Steelers, and then to have to play the Broncos for this 80s kid. What a gauntlet of hate. Uh, this really turns up next week. We're going to Denver. But first, got to digest the victory. And it was a great team victory again for the Browns. And I think a lot of the credit should go to this coaching staff. It's not easy right now getting the Browns into the victory circle. And they're doing it by means of one game at a time, which is now appropriate. It actually fits the Fanskis theme a lot because they can't plan outside of that. They really can't go outside of the box. They can't do fancy schemes right now. Keep it basic. And, you know, when the Browns keep it basic, with Stefanski, they actually do pretty successful stuff, as they did on as they did on Sunday. You know, in the COVID year when they made the playoffs, a lot of the injuries and Knicks and Knacks were on the defensive side. Boy, this year it's all on the offensive side, as we know. And DTR, for a rookie, making his second-ever start. He's only started again. For people who are making judgments on DTR, Reminder, they've only played two of the toughest teams in the AFC. The top build, Ravens, as right now currently they are the number one seed, and the Steelers are one of the best defenses in the league. So to judge DTR completely on two games against two teams that are very, very good, I just remind you, like, this is not an easy way to start your career. And DTR, my gosh, no – um. No sympathy. Um, he is, he has had tough, tough, tough matchups. So if you want to tear down his performance, I don't know if that's being exactly fair against the opponent. That aside, let's judge him. He had a nice game. He really had a bounce back. He needed it. You can tell he's intelligent. He used his athletic ability to keep plays going, which was good. He had a moment or two in the third quarter where he did get a little um, – Let's just say robotic. He was his passes were not um, not not set up for success. There was two or three balls that should have been picked off by the Steelers, and they weren't. Uh, finally, a tip ball was. So he got away with some stuff there. Yeah, he did. But DTR did what he had to do in the final drive. That's all you can really ask for in these teams. You know, don't take lightly driving the ball down the field, score the game-winning field goal. Because Pickett couldn't do that. And that was a big difference in the game. 
Pickett was unable to drive the Steelers down the field. DTR was. That was the difference in the game. That was everything in this game. And the Steelers really don't have many excuses. The Browns, I mean, no Watson, no Nick Chubb, and they're still doing it at a high level um, late in the game. This is beautiful to see. DTR has a lot of ceiling here. I think you got to keep seeing him play. And in this game, he did a good job for a rookie in a second start. His numbers are not good. His numbers are not something that's going to go on some fancy show where they're going to bring out the DTR red carpet. But DTR won the game, and that's what you have to do in these situations right now. Survive in advance. It's only a second game. Not going to get easier going to Denver. That's going to get a lot more challenging probably. Then you might get the t- chance, might, and I underline the word might, might get to take the chance to take a breath against the Rams. But DTR did, an, I thought for a second start, did about as well as you can do. And Stefanski deserves a lot of credit along with um, Alex Van Pelt. They kept the game plan simple. Underneath, short. DTR's not ready yet for that explosive down the field plays yet which the Browns are going to have to eventually do. There's only so long you can do this. But, you know, you got to survive in advance. You just have to. And the Browns are playing to the strength that is the defense, which is very smart. Very, very smart. Allow your defense to win the game. Get your field goal kicker in positions to kick kick, and, and just do that. Do not allow goofy plays or dictation of weirdness uh, to really allow the offense to muddy the game. I like the play calling too. Some of the Wildcat, I would see, I, I would order more of that. The Browns actually had to pass more in this game because the Steelers took it away. The Browns are going to have to run the ball better next week against the Broncos. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. But they're doing a great job. And the defense again was wonderful. And the, the tone uh, the defense was set by Miles Garrett, who is on his way to having a all-pro season. I would think an MVP season. A lot of games left to be determined. But right now, he's in a good position with an MVP, too. Defensive MVP. Miles Garrett's sack to start the game was great. Should have been a safety. Poor, poor refereeing in that spot. I would actually argue maybe Najee Harris. I thought Harris, though, was, that was more debatable. But the, the first play was not. I don't know how that – I don't – I don't understand what the referees saw there. But anyways, thankfully it didn't make a difference in the game. But the Browns, again, this is Miles Garrett, defense. Got the stops they needed to. Shut down Pickett in the second half. And Miles Garrett's second sack was also huge. That was a drive where it looked like and felt like the Steelers might take the lead. You could kind of feel it, the momentum growing. You could kind of anticipate the Steelers scoring a touchdown there, and that Miles Garrett sack in the second half was huge in the game. Huge. Huge. Changed the game. Held him to a field goal. And again, then after that, I thought Schwartz was wonderful and really pressing Pickett to win the game. And Pickett can't do that. And that was the difference. Just very smart playing. Gritty, gutty Browns. 
very easy team to root for right now. Very easy. And with this win, 7-3, you got seven games left. You can see how the Browns get to 11. Other teams in that position, it's a lot more debatable. For the Browns, it's not. They probably beat Joe Flacco last Bengals in the year. Jets, Bears, that's three. And then you got to beat the other four, two, you know, hopefully two out of two, two out of four, I mean. The Broncos, Rams, Texans, and Jaguars. You got split. Gosh, if you can even go three out of four there, too. My gosh, you're having a lightning of a season. This next game is going to be very testy for the young quarterback. But if they allow the running game to get going and they settle the Broncos' offense, which they should, I think the Broncos are going to have a very hard time moving the ball in this game. Then everything should be okay. Again, nail-biting close. That's okay. Going to get weird at times in Denver. It always does. That's okay. But, you know, this is a testy game. And if the Browns are able to pull it off, now you can really start talking about the playoffs. Then. But even after this win, it's hard not to see the Browns making it. Because they just have to really, in these next two games, got to split. be wonderful to beat the AFC opponent. It would be really wonderful to do that. It was great to see Jim Donovan, Nick Chubb. All that stuff was cool, and all of it played a part in this game. This game was about the emotion of the Browns needing a win. And it actually silenced some demons throughout time. Usually in games like this, that for some reason – it's always been earmarked that the Steelers will win. Well, not the case. The Steelers were more healthy. The Steelers had more time. They played a Thursday night game before. Really, all the all the goodies were given to the Steelers in this game, and they still couldn't win. That's why the fan base is going crazy today. <laughs> They're going crazy. Great win for the Browns. Now to Flacco. The Browns have to ride DTR out. And that is not easy when you're in a playoff hunt. But you have to see what this kid can do. In his first two games, were against the Ravens and Steelers. So it's hard to get a good, you know, full idea of what this is yet. They're going to have to write him out. At some point, does Flacco come in? Possibly. Don't know if it's a given, as many other people are saying. DTR could play this out. Let me repeat that. DTR could play this out. That was a big improvement from week one start against the Ravens to his second start against the Steelers. Now, a road starts very different. And he's going to face new challenges. And the Broncos defense has been, you know, has been tougher lately, but they're not the Ravens or the Steelers. Still good. So there's getting challenges on the road is always there. However, I think DTR, need, we need to ride this out now. Need to see what this kid can do. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to play a big part in these last seven games here because if he continues to win, you're going to really see the ride and a wave of emotion come out. To go to Flacco, which would be fine, 
um, is going to really put all the eggs in the Flacco basket. Because once you go to Flacco, it's going to be hard to go back. Once you start with Flacco, you can't really switch again. So you have to ride this DTR thing out as long as you can. That's why it's important to ride them out. Because, again, once you go to the veteran Flacco, you're, you're done. You're locked. You can't. What are you going to say? Oh, you know what? We changed our mind. <laughs> Come on. Flacco is like that emergency release valve on the airplane. Only use it if needed. That's kind of what Flacco is. They need to write this out with DTR. And I think that's fine. That is the move now. Very, be very shocked we saw PJ Walker again this season. It is It is DTR Flacco or bust. The one game mentality is really helping. The Browns are ultra-focused. You can tell that is going to help. Because of all the injuries, there is no overlooking an opponent right now. That might come into play later in the year. I hope not, but it might. But it will not this week with the Broncos. Not a road game like this. So the, Bron- so the Browns are very focused, which is great to see. And they're beating big opponents. I mean, to beat the Ravens and Steelers back-to-back weeks like this. I mean, talk about threading the needle. It's amazing. Really is amazing. They're a half game out of the number one seed in the AFC. Amazing. And they've earned it. The ceiling is high for DTR. I want to remind people that. And could it get bad for DTR? It can. It, it, there's there's things you can see. But I don't think we've seen enough to say he's not going to be good or bad. You got to see what this kid can do. Very hard to judge after two games for a rookie quarterback. Need to see some more. And again, I think his intelligence and his athletic ability, I think it's going to be more here than what people think. And people are already ready to go to Flacco. I I don't think it's going to be as quick as people are realizing. Again, that's emergency use only, which might happen. But it's emergency use only right now. Great win against the Steelers with a ride of momentum. They've had... They've had four wonderful wins this year. The Niners, Colts, Ravens on the road, and now the Steelers at home. Um, just a great wave. And, again, for us 80s kids <laughs> to play the Broncos, what a gauntlet of hate. Oh, gosh. Hate Denver. Hate them. We'll talk about more as we lead up to the week. Great win for the Browns. Can't I just? It's been so much fun to watch this team. Keep continuing on their season. Great win. Just a wonderful win. And it's very likable team right now. They're always likable when they win, though, isn't it? Great win for the Browns. On to Denver. Buckeyes. Buckeyes did what they had to do against the Gophers. There's no thing to break down. McCord ankle rolled up. I think he'll be okay. Henderson's really getting into that second. Gary had a great run to start off the second half. That really set the tone for that game. On to Michigan, who didn't play its best against Maryland. Maryland's not very good. Um, they're kind of overrated in a conference that's not good. Um, but they they can hang around with their, their athletic ability. I, I Again, I don't – what I saw against Maryland is a reason why I think the Buckeyes are going to be just fine in this game. I think the Buckeyes are going to beat Michigan. I really do. No Harbaugh, revenge, and the biggest game for Ryan Day's career. 
If you're Ryan Day, you cannot lose three straight to Michigan. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't. Got to beat the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. It's everything. Saturday at noon is everything. And it's a very unique position for the Buckeyes. America and the country will be rooting for Ohio State. They are not only the underdog, they are going to be the super dog. Because everyone does not want to see Michigan win another game. They don't. There'll be nothing more than college football wants than to see the exit of Michigan coming out on Saturday. So because of that, for the first time in this game in a while, Ohio State is the underdog. And a lot of people are going to be rooting for Ohio State. A lot of people. You are not going to see many people cheering for Michigan. Michigan's played the villain well so far. They could play the villain well on Saturday. Yes. Can Michigan win this game? Sure. Absolutely. They have good players. McCarthy, Quorum, they're good players. Are they better than Henderson and um, Harrison? No, they're not. Is McCord a better quarterback than McCarthy? No. That's why the game is going to be close. But is McCarthy that much better than McCord? Not really. He's better, but it's not. It's not Lee Pierce. Is Harrison better than anybody uh, Michigan has a wide receiver? Yes. And Quorum and Henderson are washed. They're both very good. Key in this game, can Ohio State limit Michigan's running game to get going? In truthfulness, they have not allowed any of these running games to get going this year. I think it's been a hidden secret for Ohio State. They have forced teams to throw. Even Minnesota had to throw early in the game to get the offense going. They do not allow opposing running games to get going. They have to continue that in this game. Ohio State is actually, to me, the better team. Um, Michigan's a more hype team, but they have not played anybody outside of Penn State. And even Penn State, that win's kind of more... Ugh. Ohio State playing in our name is going to help a lot in this game. And I can't emphasize this enough. The importance of Ryan Day to win that game is immense. You cannot come home to Columbus with three losses in a row and act like everything's hunky-dory. Also, the loser of this game, I think, has got a high probability of not going to the playoffs. With what is going on with the Pac-12, with Oregon and Washington, Bama, Florida State, even though Florida State has lost your quarterback. All those teams are in play for the national championship uh, playoff. Next year it goes to 12. It's because of that, though, this year, I think it puts more emphasis on this game. I really do. This game is everything. And again, I'll repeat, I think if Ohio State loses this game or Michigan, I don't see them getting back in. I see either Oregon or Washington or Bama getting in. I don't see Ohio State sneaking back in. Have to win this game. There's a lot on the line. And again, even though they'll be on the road, the whole country will be rooting for Ohio State. They'll win this game, in my opinion. I think they're the better team. And I think Michigan, To the only way they win is that they do what they've been doing all season, control the clock, suffocate the Buckeyes, but they really don't give up those kind of run plays. I don't see that changing. Just do not see that changing on Saturday. That's the Buckeyes. We'll be doing a lot of that leading up to the Michigan game. Caps. Strange week. There's two folds to this scenario. They beat Denver at their best win of the year. Wonderful win on Sunday. 
Jared Allen, best game since last year. He was amazing against um, Jokic. Really did a great job. Garland had a nice game too. And Craig Porter Jr. is really coming into his own. That guy is a player. Might see him. I mean, that was not against like a goofy lineup. That was against the Denver Nuggets. Craig Porter Jr. balled out. Cavs are in that kind of win. You're like, geez, can that carry momentum? Because that was such a good win. They've won three in a row. You wouldn't really know at the times. And that's because they are still dealing with injuries. No Donovan Mitchell. No Isaac Okoro. Maybe uh, Karis LeVert this week against the Sixers. So big injuries. And is really put into question, again, the Cavs just cannot stay healthy. It shouldn't be, but it is. It's a major, major, major storyline again this year for the Cavs. They are going to have to figure out in this offseason how did they get more healthy. It's going to be a huge storyline going forward. Cavs don't have that defensive mentality yet all the way back. Obviously, you see it against the Nuggets. You saw it against the Warriors twice. Haven't really seen it since. Even in the victories against the Blazers and Pistons, didn't really see that. Lockdown junkyard dog defense. Will it come back? I would think so. I would hope so. But they really don't have a flow. And these injuries are playing a big part of the season. That said, they're getting some big wins. They're 7-6. and six. Craig Porter Jr. is a great story. And, boy, that win against Denver did a lot. Made you feel good as a fan. Because of the football season going on, the Cavs are kind of in the background. But that said, these are big games coming up. Big games. You got the Sixers, Heat, and the Lakers all this week. And you got the Raptors on back-to-back. You have two back-to-backs this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Tricky week for the Cavs. Got to get healthy. Craig Porter Jr., though, is exciting. I really like him. I can really see him doing big things down the road for the Cavs. And that's not just, you know, again, against goofy opponents. He did that against the Nuggets. And he has a great move where he can dive into the paint and hit like a little jumper mid-range game. I love his mid-range game. That's coming back in basketball, which is a delight. Mid-range basketball off the glass, nothing wrong with it. Glad to see the youngsters doing that now. Good to see. It's a missing part of the game. needs to come back. That's your caps. Sixers, Tuesday night. Back home against the Heat on Wednesday. Then LeBron, Lakers. Guards real quickly. Cal Quantrill, no longer on the team. I thought that was a surprising move. That probably means Bieber's coming back. We'll have to see what that means uh, for the team. I thought they would make a trade for Bieber. They are not. This Diamond Valley story is not going away. That's impacting this club's ability to spend money. They admitted it so much publicly, so it's not just rumor. And then the Guardians also made a trade for Scott Barlow. Are they going to bring in another outfielder? I don't know now. Looks like they're going to keep Biebs. I'm surprised about that. Quantrill really showed a lot of fight in September. He had a really good ERA and record. Is he a top two starter? No, he's not. Is he probably like, you know, a three or four starter and with the, with the town coming in? Does he really fade into the background? Yes, but that's why I kind of liked it. Bieber being here, you got to start Bieber's number one. Then you got Bybee, Williams, and Allen. Does that take the stress off the youngsters? It absolutely does, yes. 
and you got McKenzie too. So I get it. And it makes their starting pitching very, very strong. But he's not Bieber's not coming back after this year. So surprising they're not I don't think they're gonna trade him now. Unless they're gonna start Xavier Curry at the five, which again. Which I would not be opposed to. I think Curry would be a better starter right now. So maybe that trade's not dead, but that that signals um Guardians are gonna keep what they have. And then finally, Ramon Lariano signs to a contract in the outfield. And not for a cheap amount of money, four million bucks. So you got Loriano, you got Willie Brennan, you got Miles Straw, you got Stephen Kwan. Could they use another power bat in the outfield? Absolutely, yes. Are the Guardians going to sign anybody? I don't know now. That kind of move Loriano says might be closed for business. Don't know if the free agent market is going to be where the Guardians go. We'll have to see. So Bieber more likely coming back. No more Cal Quantrill. I like the Scar Barlow trade. Del Santos was a goofy pitcher. He was either very good or bad. He had no in-between. Barlow's much more of a veteran. And honestly, the Guardians could use more of a stable arm coming out of the bullpen. So I understood that trade. Made sense. More on the Guardians, obviously, as we get through the offseason. But it's interesting about Contral. Great win for the Browns. Big game for the Buckeyes. Cavs still trying to find themselves with injuries. And the Guardians are training away Kyle Quantrill and keeping Shane Bieber for now. That's the week that was in Cleveland Sports. My name is Andy Billman. We'll be back here next week. Have a great Thanksgiving week. We'll be talking a lot about two teams we do not like, Denver and Michigan. Have a great week. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast